0: It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Neil Atkinson, David Downey with you until seven o'clock. How was New York?
1: It was fantastic. It was really, really good. Um, I was a bit overwhelmed when I first got there. I thought, this isn't for me, this it was like a million miles an hour. It's like London, but on speed. Mm. And I thought, you know, no, there's no, there's no like, um, allowances for tourists you know what i mean it's well, like no, no, it's, if you want to stop in the middle of the road and take a photograph you are going to get knocked into yeah that's that's the way in which this works yeah um and first 24 hours i was like not too sure about this love i think uh, <laughs> might say might take the early flight home and then uh, second day sort of thought that you know i'll try and immerse myself and then their sort of culture, their way of living and you know made a beeline for wherever it was trying to go and I think that was the key really trying to get to wherever it was trying to go as fast as I possibly could and then that seemed to work wonders so uh, yeah it was fantastic, fantastic place. It is, did you you
0: just do Manhattan or did you spend time in uh, in any of the five borders? Um,
1: I was a bit scared of going to Brooklyn because we went on a a night bus tour and uh, they wouldn't let us off in Brooklyn (laughs) Ah <laughs> oh, man, after, Brooklyn's great. After ten PM, so um, I, I didn't really want to go back there. So yeah, mainly stuck to the island. So
0: fair enough. Yeah, lots to be said for Manhattan. I'm glad you had a very very good time yeah. whilst you've been away. Uh, what have you made of the Blues?
1: Uh, well, um, I was sort of within whilst I was there, continuing the New York team. I was going to try and get out and watch, uh, Everton in a, in a typical New York bar, but uh, sh- other, other commitments took uh, priority i.e. my missus wanting to go shopping. So uh, didn't really get round <laughs> to it, but followed everything when I got home, caught up with the games, and it's incredibly frustrating at the moment, Neil, and there's a lot of things, simple things, that I think could put it right with Everton. Um, I know we're going to get on to Liverpool and the, the we'll do Liverpool, What we'll do there. is we'll do a quick part one on Everton, yeah. we'll
0: do Liverpool in part two, and we'll go back to Everton in part three, building yeah. up to the game.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, and the whole game was just... I mean, if there was one game this summer past season, it probably was that whole one. We yep. went 1-0 up, looked quite comfortable first half. Uh, again, just don't look clinical at all when 1-0 up. It seems to be, we've done our job, let's pass the ball and let's just see what happens. There's no urgency to try and go and get a second. Uh, it, it's it's arrogance gone mad for me. I think we, and we've we spoke a lot about arrogance in our teams, with our arrogance and he seems to play with a, a swagger and confidence that we've never seen uh, certainly for many years certainly as, as an Evertonian anyway and uh, that I think starting to work against us a little bit because we I think we get a little bit too brash a little bit too big for our boots when we're one nil up seemingly thinking that we're invincible and then sucker punch you know uh, Tim Howard the fault again for that goal against Hull mm. and you know you, you go and chasing the game and that seems to be the pattern of every single game there's no balance to the side at the moment uh, Gareth Barry I think's unnecessarily playing too many games Um I'd like to see Besic his place in the side now and really be the anchor with uh, James McCarthy when he's fit, um, and and really have an identity in that midfield. And it's still not quite happening um, because of this persistence with Gareth Barry, and he was awful against Manchester City, give the way the ball away so many times. Yeah,
0: but City. Yeah, uh, we we when when we had John and talking about the yeah. City felt if uh, you were watching it and Barry. It really felt like, you know, it's, it's it's easy to point at his age or something like that, but it really felt like the whole football match was just going a bit too quickly for him. And it, For the first time, because you know how much I, I respect Gareth Barry as a mm. footballer, I think he's a lovely player, and I think there's been a couple of times this season where he's had dodgy five to ten minute spells, but the City game, and again, I I wonder if he's been rushed back to a certain extent of this he- injury. But it, it was you're watching it, thinking, oh, it it just seems to not be. He, he can't get into this. He can't impact this match. I thought Bestech did well uh, in comparison. Yeah. You know, I thought Bestech had a good game, but <clears throat> Barry was really struggling. Well, it just shows the importance of getting.
1: But uh, Baddy needs his hand held, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense as much as it sounds. So, but he does. He needs somebody alongside him um, to to do his running for him. It's as simple as that. I mean, Bestech has looked good, but he probably hasn't mastered what James McCarthy does. McCarthy and Barry a, a, a lethal combination McCarthy is fantastic Barry on his own no it doesn't. It just doesn't work he hasn't got uh, the mobility to get about the pitch his passing it, it, it seems to have gone and I, I know the, the obvious assumption is that the legs go at a certain age when you become um, you know an elder statesman in a Premier League side but I I think that It'd be too simplistic to point the finger at that because you know you, you look at Colo Torres for Liverpool, you could label a similar thing to him. Yep. Jamie Carragher when he was coming towards the end of his career as well, you see that's very much not the case and I don't think it is the case with Gareth Barry but I think games in which sides have got a dominant midfield where you sort of have to you give, you've a, a, you've got give to a bit of leeway to decide. Yeah, you've,
0: you've got to do your shuttles. You've got to win your battles in those instances. Yeah. You've got to you've got to be physically you've got to be physically excellent and to he's found compete. One in those situations. And it's well that's gonna that is gonna be where it is gonna be tricky for him. Yeah. I think that's what it's and certainly not having McCarthy with him, I think is is where that that's gonna be that's gonna be very very tough for yeah. him. And and it was it was frustrating for Everton really. I thought that was a very strange game of football. The Manchester City one haven't you know haven't watched it uh, watched it all the way through. Saw so the Spurs game the whole game and the um, and the Manchester City game and because you weren't going to be in. I felt I had to do something. And, um, <laughs> and the uh, the Manchester City game, I thought, very, very strange. There was spells in the game where you thought, Everton going to just get blown away here. And then you ended the football match feeling as though Everton probably deserved to get themselves a point. Mm. And there's this thing that John keeps saying, and I wanted to ask you about it when he was saying it. I was, you know, this idea that maybe Evertonians are a bit tired of, of, of being in good games they don't win. This season there's been a number, and last season there was a few as well, but this season now there's been a number of good games against Chelsea, against Arsenal, against Manchester City, against Manchester United. I'd say that these were all good games, and I'd say that Everton very much played the part in all of these games, but in none of those ones have they taken three points. You can almost say that about the Merseyside derby, but that feels differently because the captain scores a 93rd-minute equaliser from yeah. 30 yards. But, you know, this idea that Everton have been in, you know, these these have all been tight contests. Even the, the Chelsea one ends up 6-3. It was a tight contest in a sense. <coughs> but in none of these games have Everton emerged with the three points that across across those games as a cross-section you'd feel as though well, they probably deserve three points in two or three of them.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's an extremely valid point that John's made because, you know, if you put it in context, you've gone from almost a stagnation under Moyes, uh, but an effective one. and mm. that You know, there's nobody, you can't deny that Moyes got results uh, at Everton. Then, you, you, you know, you, to sort of Make a sweeping generalisation of what's happened in the last two years at Everton. You've got this refreshing, young, exuberant manager with arrogance, takes over the side, play fantastic football. You know, you you fans screaming from the rafters, the School of Science Mm. is back, all all of that stuff that goes with it. That comes along, and I think it's easy to get carried away in the enjoyment of that, which I think leads into what John's saying about. Evertonian sort of in, 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 Enjoying being part Of a top football match Them, them types of games You relish but on Sky When you see You know in Arsenal of Completely
0: but, you, la, but last season though, In those games For instance You beat Chelsea at home You beat, beat Arsenal well. at home You went to Old Alt- yeah. Trafford And won You know This is That's the difference these In the corresponding fixtures Whereas this year it does, It's does it been a little bit like It's been another cracker Everton again What a side Great to watch One point No points
1: yeah. It's the hard luck so, story And and it, I think It's, uh, that it, it's a, an, an excellent point to say that we have been caught up in that <clears throat> excuse me um i do think there's an enjoyment and uh um i think I'm, again going back to the arrogance thing i was talking about i think that's what you sort of get wound up in the fact that we're we're great to watch on the eye you know what i mean we we know how good we are to watch as a football team so therefore the results almost become secondary to that and when Everton lose a game, like that game at Spurs, I mean, the, the passing control of possession in the second half against Spurs was absolute nonsense when we needed to get a goal. Mm. It was I, borderline pathetic, I think, the way Everton kept the ball. There was no urgency about getting the ball forward. They just kept hold of the ball, um, which, you know, it's great when you you, when you win in a game. That's probably the approach he wanted to take against Hull. Yeah. No urgency to score a goal. end up losing the game. Yeah, but it, it's almost, dare I say it, we won the passing. It's almost like that, and that's what's incredibly frustrating because people will dissect the game afterwards and say, this looks phenomenal on the eye. We should have got something out of this game. We should have got something. The reason why we're not getting something is because we're looking too nice, mm. because we're not being direct. We're not using our six for four monster of a striker
0: who can do everything
1: who, who can he's a jack of all trades we're not using a lot of his attributes we're using the one where he feels he has to come short to affect the game he's not in the penalty area when you want to get balls into the box he's not, running
0: out, he's not pe- peeling off looking for no. balls down the channels
1: Leighton Baines threat negated because we're reluctant to get the ball out of the channel we're reluctant to get the ball into the box Seamus Coleman similarly uh, Ross Barkley is getting played on a wing for absolutely no reason. Yeah, this is very, very, it's
0: very, very odd. This Barkley being yeah. sh- shunted over to a flank thing, as far as I can see, I don't, I don't see how that makes him more effective as a footballer. It's, it's, it's rare that Martinez does anything, anything at all as a football manager. Where mm. you go, can't, can't, can't work, can't imagine what the reasoning was that ended up at this point. This one with Barkley, I think, is the closest, the closest one I can come to since he's been at Everton. It's the one that makes me go, I don't, I just can't quite see why you'd end up doing this thing.
1: There was a a method in the madness that I I sort of got myself thinking about when he initially started doing it um, several games ago was where Morales come back into the side and played on the right-hand side with Coleman behind him. Uh, Him and Coleman sort of got in each other's way a lot. Coleman Mm -hmm. couldn't overlap because Morales will stick to a wing. Uh, Different case when he's on the left because he likes to cut inside. Uh, I thought the thinking behind putting Barkley on that flank was Barkley will naturally come narrow, so Coleman can go on the outside of him. On the surface of it, you think that's a decent idea. But when it doesn't work, and when it doesn't work to the extent at which it has, Ross Barkley's best position, regardless of where you put him on any wing and how well he plays, is that number 10 role, uh, where he can he's in between the lines, he receives the ball, he can turn, lay it off to Lukaku. That's where he was lethal last season, that's where he developed a great partnership with Lukaku. And I think uh, a lot of fans sort of... Uh, we're excited when they see him getting pushed out to a flank, particularly the left-hand side, because everybody loves that right footer who cuts in. Yeah. it become uh, a really stylish sort of role for a player, didn't it, when you put uh, him on the wrong side to his foot mm. and watch them cut inside. You think, you know, things are going to happen here. Ross Barkley's going to be pinging them in from all sorts of angles. That's not his game for me, and uh, he suffered from it. I think he's. Uh, we spoke. He's, 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 went he's, away. he's, he's suffering an odd... from confidence as well, Neil. There's, there's,
0: the there's the confidence question? He's also an odd. He's, he's he is a number ten. Who's if there's a weakness with him as a number ten, it's that he doesn't look like he's he, he's ten to ten to fifteen goals a season. No, maybe Martinez is trying to change things to try to encourage that and bring it about. But that's where I think you've got to you've got to use him in the right way and and get your goals from elsewhere. But it's, he is he's almost a little. Now that you've explained it like that, he's almost a little problem in a sense at the moment for right. because you need them product. You need you need balls and backs of nets, uh, which we're going to come on to talk about with Liverpool in a minute. But you you can't you know you obviously want to get him on the pitch and get him playing and all that sort of stuff and in an odd sort of in an odd sort of way, playing behind Lukaku, both Eto and um, Naismith, whilst neither of them are the are prospects or even the footballer that Barkley is. You do look at them both and think, well, Naismith's fifteen a season. Etto could be fifty in a season, and that's where you know maybe that's where he is getting a little. It is getting a little lost, a little confused, and a little difficult.
1: Well, the, yeah, absolutely. That that's spot on. It. I think you know you, you pick either of them to uh, certainly be ahead of him in the goalscoring charts. Come May. Um, the, the other thing I'd like to see maybe tried with him is with this Gareth Barry issue at the moment and the James McCarthy injury issue. What? Why not? Let's try him a little bit deeper. He's got passing ability. He's a phenomenal passer of the ball, Ross Barkley. Uh, I, I remember seeing it a lot in his in his Everton youth career. Um, and he can pass the ball phenomenally well. Uh, we haven't really seen that side of his game as a number 10 because he, he's not in the area in which he mm. needs to find that ball. Other than a little uh, deft through balls through to a striker, um, you'd very rarely see him spraying a 40-yarder, for instance, because he's never in the position to, to hit that ball. I'd like to see, and I certainly think it'd help with his discipline and sort of his general... Um, not attitude but his, his way of thinking about football if he was to play a more withdrawn role in a more disciplined more responsibility uh, on his shoulders in, in, in a role that befits somebody of like a Gareth Barry why not give him that sort of burden Let, let's see how he gets on in that position give him some more responsibility not simply putting him in his number 10 role where it's very hit and miss it's a role which is a hit and miss mm. sort of role if, you know he can score two or three he can go missing in games That that's that's the uh, the nature of the role Maybe give him something a little bit more to think about.
0: Okay, this is all in the game, Neil Lackington and Dave Down. will be here till seven o'clock. We're going to talk about Liverpool in part two, and we'll come back to build up towards Everton versus Queen's Park Rangers in part three. Going anywhere to be a profound mistake. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. We're back, all in the game, City Talk 105.9. I like how immediate sometimes it is. It's a. Uh... It's Depends a lottery like, in it, isn't it's it? It's a lottery, yeah, but I think it's healthier, it keeps us on our toes. Um means that you've just gotta you gotta psych yourself up for the part early. Um Liverpool like Brad that, Jones? Well, did, did Brad Jones psych himself up for the part or not? Um I find it very difficult to discuss Brad Jones on, on in in a in a family friendly environment. He's still diving for
1: one matter's pass, isn't he?
0: Yeah, it's um it's because the one thing you don't want to do is you know there's no there's no way in which he's he's not trying his best and this is where you can start start on Dave you know as though, as though you're being very very unfair. Um yeah. you know he's 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 been plunged in there and he's he's in there for the foreseeable future supposedly which is um <laughs> thrilling news um, <laughs> these are developments um it's I mean, there's there's many questions here, really. In fact, Brad Jones is, in a sense, he's almost a really good case in point for the fact that the conversation around Liverpool's issues, which is that some of them deeper than than any specific member of playing staff or management at the moment, or even current ownership. You know, Brad Jones was bought by previous owners um, under a previous manager, uh, three managers ago, and Roy Hodgson, in terms of the fact that the people who then ran Liverpool didn't understand the rules of how many, foreigners you, oh, sorry, how many uh, homegrown players you had to have in a Champions League squad. They thought that you had to have a 25-man squad where eight of them were homegrown, um, and that's what they thought. So they thought you had to have eight, not that you could just name 24 and seven. So they went and bought right. Brad Jones for 2.3 million because these people who, who, who consider themselves businessmen and very intelligent because football's big business, so on and so forth, they, they, they fail to read the rules correctly. Um, this is the idiocy. So that's that's Brad Jones. You know, he's almost, We can almost do a ballad of Brad Jones from the from the moment when he was bought because uh, administrative staff at Liverpool Football Club failed to read the rules correctly. They overpaid for a lad who had fewer fewer than uh, 70 first-team games. They paid £2.3 million for him and he got a hefty contract in the process uh, to come in and effectively be number two to Pepe Reina. Uh, and then we go on through this and Brad Jones remains at Liverpool Football Club bar a seven-game spell where he goes on loan to Derby County. Brad Jones is consistently at Liverpool Football Club until now. And no one's thought we might have to deal with the second goalkeeper problem. It's never been a big enough priority on anyone's desk to go, is this fella good enough to be number two at Liverpool Football Club? No one sat down and thought, is this something that we need to get to grips with? And that's not just Roy Hodgson, that's not just Brendan Rodgers, that includes Kenny Dalglish. that includes Damien Camoli, it includes whoever's on the transfer committee, it includes Brendan Rodgers when he first arrived, it includes everyone at every sort of hierarchical level who's been involved in buying Brad Jones and arguably misscouting him and also buying him for the wrong reasons, going right the way through to where Liverpool are now and that Brad Jones is being turned into the standing in keeper uh, because for one reason or another off the back of conceding only two goals in four games, uh, the, the feeling is that it was the time for Simon Mignolet to drop down from the first team. All of this is indicative of a football club that for me has too often not... Taken the business of being a football club seriously enough, and that, that as I say, this is not that, that, that this is a five year stretch, this isn't lambasting any one man. Um, it's 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 crazy that it hadn't been dealt with, and st- and, it, and it remains undealt with. Uh,
1: with, I mean, yeah, I mean, he is a perfect case in point, like you've just said there, but why is it that these issues have never ever been? sorted out despite the constant change in personnel of ownership and personnel of staff? There's, I, I think why t- has why, why that always lingered in the background, these sorts of issues?
0: I think it's, I, I, you don't know the answer because you're not on the inside. Yeah. And this is one of those, you know, I, I quite like to do year-end appraisal forms with everyone sometimes and just sort of see what they say, and, I, you know, and have that honest and open exchange of views. I think it's, it's, it's the idea, I think, that someone's in this specific instance, but there are other specific instances like this. There's the idea that someone's always got something better to do. There's the idea that there's always someone who's got something better to do than to deal with this, than to put a policy in place to deal with this, because you don't have to. You know, there's nothing in the rules that says you've got to have a second goalkeeper. You don't necessarily have to have seven, have a goalkeeper on the bench. Nothing obliges you to do so. Yeah. You know, you can just use a lad from the from the, from the, from the youth side. Um, you, the, the, there are options open to you, or you can have a second goalkeeper, and you'd say that that's the more responsible course. But then you you're looking for a specific type of character in your second goalkeeper, but you're also looking for a certain level. And I suspect Brad Jones has got the character, but I suspect he hasn't got the level mm. um, and again I, this feels as though you're, you're slaughtering him because you know I'm, he, when he came in for the for the game at Wembley for instance against Everton uh, in the semi-final you know he did a perfectly serviceable job but there's being able to pull it out the bag here and there in in, in one or two game ba- patches and then there's the general idea of whether or not you're good enough and I think that if you get someone in you pay money for one of these characters and then you, you give them what's reported to be a healthy salary for one of these characters, then I want this feeling that he could do 10 games for Liverpool in goal. I always remember, and this is my, my goalkeeper thing, is the perfect sub-keeper because he came to us because we were in crisis uh, with injuries to goalkeepers, and we were allowed to get him on loan as an emergency loan for four games. Has always been Paul Jones, who came from Southampton, and he supported Liverpool, and he got to do four games. And he's your perfect sort of number two goalkeeper in a In that he's 7 out of 10 at everything. And he just came in and he was he talked. I think this was this was while Gerard Hulley was in was in charge. And he was a Carmen influence. And he just he took his opportunity. He didn't save anything that he shouldn't save. You know, he didn't do any spectacular world-class saves. But he was just quite consistently well positioned and saved everything he should and just did the right thing, could kick it, you know, all the obvious things. Um and that's what you're looking for. And if you're gonna pay money for one of these characters and you're gonna give them a healthy wage, then being seven out of ten at everything. Wouldn't kill you, and that's where you know why hasn't that been dealt with? Why hasn't that come onto someone's list of things to do at some point? You know why wasn't it on someone's list of things to do last summer? Why wasn't it on the list of things to do the summer before? So on and so forth. And, and but you you can't just, as I say, this this fellow survives Camoli and Dalglish. You know he's, he 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 comes through. He get, comes through that patch. Comes through Camoli and Dalglish. He's bought by Hodgson and Perslow. Survives Camoli and Dalglish. Is that through know,
1: pure, you, the way you're making the sounds through like pure neglect that he's a, he, he's still there?
0: Well, if he's he, if his levels what we've seen, then it is neglect. Yeah. If his level is, you know, if his level is what what not just what you saw at Old Trafford, but what what you've seen when he when he's had opportunities, you know, for instance in there Rogers's first season when he had a few opportunities there. If that's his level, then there is a conversation to be had about neglect in terms of the fact that this should have been dealt with by somebody. And, you know, again, this makes it sound really not slaughtering the player, if you know what I mean. The player's yeah. got the player's levels, the player's level, and so on and so forth. And by the way, the player's also entitled to any contract that he signs that Liverpool Football Club put in front of him. So, you know, it's not... That's not the issue, isn't
1: it? The, the fact that he's getting offered of that sort of deal.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you, you end up at this point, and it is that sort of... You know, this this is where there's not a plan. Is I think my point. Is. You don't sort of feel as though the plan is particularly coherent here in this area. Michel Vorm, as an example, played with the, the manager at Swansea, and he went to Spurs this this summer for, and he's not had a chance at Spurs for not much money. Could you have gone after him? I mean, I don't know. Mm. But what is it that you know? What is that your end game is now that you've reached this point with Minyale? Well, surely there should have been. It didn't take a. I would have said this sort of thing is possible if you'd have sat down and asked me in July. Do you think it's possible, Neil, that we might get to a point where you know the, the manager might feel as though he's better off not playing Simon Mignot? like, Yes or no? Yeah, I do actually. And if you know, if it, that should be, you know, this to me, that seems like a very straightforward conversation that you have, whether it's a transfer committee, whether it's a boot room, whatever it is, when you all look at each other at the end of the season and just go through. All right, then starting at the back with the goalkeepers. Yeah. And Brad Jones is still here. Has no one as no one sort this the Brad Jones thing? All right, well I'll sort that out this summer. We'll sort the Brad Jones thing out this you know, and that you know, Simon I mean, you're not that you're not a hundred percent sure, Brent. You're not a hundred percent sure. Maybe we need to look at this and that, that allies into the Brad Jones action that I've got from this committee meeting. We've got an action point on Brad Jones here, but that's now a multiplied action point because 'cause you've just said that yeah, okay. And those sorts of conversations aren't difficult conversations, what conversations to have through a football club. And, it, you know, this is one where you feel, you wonder if it's not happening. If it's not happening here, then where else isn't it happening? And then you end up in this, you know, in these sorts of spiralling questions as to exactly who's doing what, which is an issue because you've got this situation where there is there is the, the, the transfer committee and there is the ownership and there is the people who are running the club in Liverpool and there's the people who are running the club in the United States. And all of these things... You can get away with them when you go on twelve-game winning streaks, but when things aren't looking so good, then you f- you want, or there is a section of supporters of whom I may or may not be one, but other people I know may or may not be one, a selection a, sele- uh, a selection of supporters who do want to know who's responsible for this. You know, I'm, I will maintain that, with the possible exception of Dejan Lovren, the transfer committee hasn't bought a bad player, but there's a massive question mark around whether and and even on Dejan Lovren, you know, he can't be this bad. You just can't be. Yeah. Um, but even, our, you know, there's massive questions around, well, what was the strategy? What was the decision? Did anyone, you know, did anyone look at Brendan Rodgers' strength as a manager? Did anyone look at what actually worked for Liverpool Football Club last season? What worked? Well, Liverpool Football Club last season came second because they had phenomenal attacking talent, because they were able to score a load of goals. And left-back was Alisa Soko and John Flanagan for the vast majority of the season. They were your left-back options. And Liverpool came second. Now there's two things you can do on this. One is you can say, Well, if you improve the left back, could we move on and go first? Or you can say, and you know, and and, it, and I, I like Moreno as a player, or you can say, Well, let's make sure before a ball's kicked the attack inside of it is boxed. Let's do all that stuff first. Let's get that and by boxed I mean absolutely ludicrously boxed. And what you could see yesterday at Old Trafford was fundamentally Liverpool with a better side in the middle seventy yards. Hmm. But you need to be better in both boxes because that's where football matches are decided. And Liverpool yesterday, and it's not Raheem Sterling's fault, because I thought he played really well, just couldn't finish. It's not Raheem Sterling's fault. But Liverpool were not better in in, in either box. And so they've left themselves in this situation wherein, if you've got the attacking manager, and everyone, I think, wants... Everyone said he's got to be more solid. He's got to be more solid, Rodgers. And then he was more solid, and everyone went, God, this is rubbish, isn't it? Because, you know, it was solid against Hull. It was 0 0. We went to Newcastle, kept it tight for an hour, and then tried to be more expansive, got beat 1 0. We tried to do a solid thing against, um, you know, we tried to do solid stuff away from home in a couple of games. We were solid against Sunderland. to finished 0 0. We were solid against Stoke. We managed to get an 86th minute winner, got a 1 0 out of it. We were solid. This is solid. This is what solid is. But it's not Brendan Rodgers. And it's not actually anything that's going to get you driving it up the table. And it's not anything that's going to get you beyond. What all those fellas who've got all that money are able to do.
1: The f- the fact that he he's made those changes, Neil, that he went to a more solid shape. He, he wanted to in, in, instill a bit more solidity in, in the team. Then goes to Old Trafford with an attacking lineup and wants to revert to what he did best last season. Does that show that he's at odds with himself at the moment as well, yeah, or is he he's just trying to
0: please everybody? Perhaps a little bit. I think there's elements of. I think there's elements of. He, I think he felt United were there for the taking. and I think he thought just get a statement win. If we just get a statement win, then I can get every, I can sort things out quite quickly, get things off our backs. And I think he thought we could really get one there because United United were there for the taking. That's the strange thing. And I think that's one of the reasons why United are getting the sort of results they're getting at the moment. I think a lot of people are looking at United and going, we can beat you. Mm. And what's holding United in there? I mean, Steve Armstrong came on our show and said, United's player of the month for November was David De Gea. United's player of the month for October is David De Gea. There's every chance United's player of the month for December will be David De Gea. So... Yeah, I think that that means people think, well, we can get at you. And I think that's what Rogers thought. And fundamentally, events bear that assessment out as being correct. That you, you, you goals change games. If Liverpool go 1 0 up, it changes the game. Mm-hmm. If the offside decision isn't given, it changes the game. If any of Raheem Sterling's other two chances go in the back of the net, the game's changed again. Um, we saw when Everton went to Manchester United earlier this season that when Everton got themselves back to 2-1 United panicked and spent the last 30 minutes effectively camped in their own penalty area it to hate again. but to have it yeah. to hate again so this is where I think it's you know I think it's on the whole I think there's a decision to be made fundamentally from at all levels of Liverpool Football Club and I include the supporters in it in terms of what it is you want to do what is it that you want to do I know what I want to do as me Neil Atkinson I know what I want to do I only want to do one thing and I only want to win the league And I'm not interested in anything else. I'm not interested in squad building. I'm not interested in competing on four fronts. We go to Bournemouth on Wednesday night. Couldn't care less. I'm not interested in any other trophy which isn't the league title. I'm 34 years old. When we last won the league, I was nine. I'm 34 in January. I'd like to win the league. And I'd like every effort, every decision that the football club makes going forward to be about winning the league. And to get ahead of United, Chelsea and City with the money they've got... If you try and do what they do, which is build a squad, which is have two left-backs who are better than Sissoko and, and John Flanagan, which is get everything absolutely boxed off in every position and then go and fight a war on four fronts. If you try and do what they do, they'll do it better, because, or at least one of them will every year because they've got more money. Paul Tompkins has written an excellent piece on this recently on his Tompkins Times website that I'd recommend to anyone. They'll always do it better. At some point, they'll do it better, but last season... The first time in 20 years, Liverpool nearly got over the line because they cheated the system. They went, if we score 100 goals, if you score 100 goals, you've got a chance of doing anything, absolutely anything at all. And Or the other side of that is if you only conceded 15, if you did an extreme thing with one end of the pitch or the other, something completely extreme, then you can get the sort of results you need in order to be able to put a point score on there that gets you away. Possibly. But it's a high-risk strategy. It either succeeds or fails. But that's Rodgers' football. So if Rodgers... And this is why you um, you can put almost any manager in the world in charge. People at the moment are now talking about Rafa Benitez. Rafa Benitez has got one financial giant to overcome in Italy. One, Juventus. And he's nowhere near. And he's not come anywhere near it. If he comes back to England, he's got three. That's what you've got to do. So you've got to cheat. Effectively, Mm. cheat in inverted commas. You've got to find the thing that you can do that makes you distinctive. If you've got a limited budget... Put it all up front and put a little bit of it in goal. And then say, you know what, we've got this manager, Brendan Rodgers. He's really good with young players. He's really good at improving midfielders. He gets, he really does bring on players between the ages of 18 and 23. He can improve them quite quickly. We can work with all this. And just put all your budget, so don't buy a £15 million left back. Because you've just seen that you can come second and score 100 goals. Mm-hmm. With Ali Sissoko and John Flanagan, is that his naivety as well, O'Neill? I mean, I think it's collective, yeah. but it's also not even naivety. I think it's the idea. It's the opposite tonight. I wish they were more naive. In that, what they tried to do is go right. Well, we've 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 cheated. We've gone from seventh to second, and now we have to act like a big proper football club, like those football clubs. That does clubs. Have that
1: feeling, doesn't it? We like yeah. the,
0: they were there with their buying strategies and their centre backs and all this nonsense. Forget that. Do the thing that you're good at, and what Brendan Rodgers good at attacking football. What got Liverpool where it got them last season? Attacking football. Build, and this is what I mean every decision. Man, Alex Ferguson, everyone goes mad. Why won't he buy a centre mid? Why won't he buy a centre mid? Why won't he buy a centre mid? Buys Robin Van Persie, wins his 20th title. When's he getting a centre mid? When's he getting a centre mid? That helps him run things. Forget that. Better in both boxes. That's what Liverpool need to do. That's what needs to happen next. And that should be the focus of every decision at Liverpool Football Club, winning the title. This is all in the game, Neil Atkinson and David Downey. We shall be with you until 7 o'clock. Everton next. It's all in the game with Neil Atkinson and David Downey on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game, City Talk 105.9. Neil Atkinson and David Downey with you now through until seven o 'clock and then at seven o 'clock you should you should turn your dials over to radio city on ninety six point seven to hear Everton face queen 's park Rangers. The primary reason why you should do that is because the uh, the finest Everton commentator in the business is joining us now on the line. It's Alan Irwin. And I and thought
2: we were on City Talk 105.9 as well.
0: Are you want City Talk 105.9 <laughs> as well? You don't even need to change the dial then. And that and that's what Alan Irwin deserves. He deserves two rate two networks devoted to his dulcet tones. <laughs> You've
2: all got two ears, so. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: it's we were talking in part one, Alan. You were talking about about Everton about how they've got themselves into n- n- not entirely dissimilarly to Liverpool in a the sense. They've ended up getting this season into a little bit of a pickle. Yes. But this is tonight an opportunity to. Um, if not get it completely back on track to begin some sort of process Mm. of of getting somewhere
2: I'm sure I said that against Hull Neal as well on the (laughs) the 3rd of December when we drew 1-1 a midweek game that we expected to win so uh, there's no gimmies is there in the Premier League I know I sound like a manager now don't I but yeah you're (laughs) right everybody who turns up here uh, wearing blue tonight. We'll be expecting Everton to beat Queen's Park Rangers because they've travelled awfully, dismally, haven't they? They've been so poor away from home that yep. uh, Everton will be kicking themselves if they don't get the three <clears throat> points tonight. And I think, you know, we'll have some restless fans if Everton don't win this one. So that in itself might create a little bit of pressure.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be like that from the off, Al. I think, you know, if there's not a quick start, yeah, I think... Uh, you know there will be some uh, ruffled feathers amongst the support, but, but what would you put your finger on that's that's gone wrong lately? Because I mean, I, I was saying it's a it's a culmination of things. Uh, at first, I was talking about Gareth Barry and mm. how there seems to be an over reliance maybe on on his shoulders. What, what what do you think's the the main issue at the moment? Well, Gareth
2: probably has played an awful lot of football. I don't think there's yeah. an over reliance on, on Gareth Barry because James McCarthy certainly um, you know has stood up to the plate, hasn't mm. he? And, and come to the fore when uh, when he's been asked to deliver. So I I think he should be able to. Co- with either loss of Barry or McCarthy, you know, without question. So I think the problem is probably a, a confidence thing. I know when you, early on in the season, Roberto Martinez was saying it takes time for players to adapt coming back from the World Cup, etc. Mm. Those excuses are well and truly uh, in, in the past now, aren't they? We're at the stage of the season where Flipping Eck would almost turn the corner into January. So, you know, y- you can't have any excuses there. These lads are playing together now, um, week in, week out, aren't they? I know they've had the Europa League, competition to cope with but you know footballers will always tell you they want to be playing football it doesn't matter that they're playing Thursday Sunday as far as they're concerned I think you know sometimes there are too many excuses made the fact that they're playing Europa League football I think it's been difficult to put your finger on it precisely Um, certainly holding on to Leeds has been a problem, hasn't it, Dave? Without a shadow yeah. of doubt earlier earlier on in the campaign, uh, I think Everton were flying forward far too often when uh, maybe they should have just been shutting up shop. And I think, you know, you could say that of, of, of Liverpool to a certain extent. You've got to go back to basics, haven't you? Stop conceding goals before you, you know, talk about banging them in at the other end. So um, from the Roberto Martinez perspective, I think Everton are OK. I think they have been unlucky in certain mm. games, um, but you can't go throughout the whole season
1: saying we've been unlucky. How do you think he's handled it personally, Al? Because I, I'm in two minds because uh, listening to your post-match stuff every week, obviously, and mm. he's uh, he, he's he you know, a very positive picture, persista- you're tell Persistent, yeah, he's persistently upbeat, and yeah. uh, I think that's quite patronising as a fan, to be honest with you. Um, but obviously it's deflects what yeah. criticism would go on to his players, that's obvious. But
2: Well the only time I found it difficult to cope with this season was after the whole game when yeah. Roberto did state that he thought they'd done more than enough in the first half of that game to win any game of football. But um I didn't necessarily agree with his comments after the game I can understand why he wanted to you know paint the positives and really stress that Everton were the one team that wanted to win that game in the first half which you'd expect playing mm. at home wouldn't you playing at Goodison Park you know you've already mentioned it tonight Dave they've got to take the game to Queen's Park Rangers right from the off right from the first whistle and I would want to see a fast start which you've again you've mentioned but you know what's people are Talking to me today about, you know, well, who's going to play the two holding midfield roles if, you know, Barry's suspended which years and McCarthy's not fit. Well, my response would be, why do you need two holding midfielders absolutely. at home against Queen's yeah. Park Rangers? Why don't we go 4 4 2, take the game to them and batter them from for the first 10, 15, 20
1: minutes? Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And I'd, I'd like to see a bit more, not a bit more from him, but in terms of responsibility in that midfield role mm. from Mohammed Besic. Um, I, th- I think he's been really good when the most occasions i have seen him this season yeah he's coming on yeah um and I'd love to see him get that like a cemented role in the team because it seems to be he'll be the makewa for when Barry and McCarthy are fully fit mm.
2: um I think he's getting better and better mm. um, sort a bit of him in the World Cup I thought he looked a decent player then so he's certainly got the attributes um he can be a bit of a hot head by the way he launches into <laughs> yeah. tackles at at uh, you know, and you've only got to look at some of the um, tackles that took place over the weekend in the Premier League that you know saw red cards produced. Then you're very likely to get one in this day and age, aren't you? If you just mistime it by a fraction, mm-hmm. so he's got to be careful in that respect. But I think he's got ability, and I think he is one who can uh, play that role for a long, long time at Everton. So, yeah, I'd I'd um, I'd say that Mohammed Bessid has been a good buy for the Blues, and uh, is really one for the for the long term.
0: Have you got um, have you have you got any team news yet, Alan? Or no, have you got have happens. you got have you got your suspicions? Then have you got your <laughs> (laughs)
2: Well, my suspicions were from the indications that Roberto gave us on Friday that probably Stephen Naismith was closer to a first-team return than James McCarthy. So in... With that in mind, you'd think that if McCarthy isn't fit, Barry's suspended, it could be Bessic and Osman in those sort of roles, uh, unless he decides to put Barkley in there and Naismith comes back in behind uh, Lukaku with Morales and uh, maybe Samueletto retaining his place as well. So um, I'm afraid I haven't got anything concrete um, Spoke to Sharpie early, but uh, unfortunately he got whisked away to do something else for the club before I had time to dig deep into, um, you know, his knowledge of what's been going on in the dressing room uh, in the in the prior hour or so.
1: As club royalty does, Ali is an ambassador <laughs> after all. Isn't um, yeah, he's non-stop. Uh, you, just quickly, uh, you mentioned Barkley. Uh, we've been talking all, all show basically about the role he's been playing lately, and uh, Roberto seems to be using him. On well, either flank, mm. and reluctant to put him in his natural number ten role. I mean, can can you understand the method in the madness with that? Because I, I was saying initially, it, it may seem like a good idea with the benefits it could reap from the fullbacks pushing on, but it hasn't really worked, has it?
2: Um. Well, I've even talked about him playing in the in the role alongside Besic maybe. But yeah, um, you know, surely he's capable of doing that. He's got the ability. He just needs That's to exactly be disciplined, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, he needs to be disciplined to do it, and I think that comes with a bit of maturity. So maybe he doesn't want to do that because he's got Besic who's who's, who's still a youngster himself. You know, and, and Barkley, who's was uh, still only 21, it's, isn't
0: he? It's difficult though to say. Mm. You know, Alan, if he if he doesn't do it today with Bessic, if it, mm. if it's not happening then, then you know, you think Ma- against Queens Park Rangers, mm. especially at home. And then right. you, you know, you're looking at in you know, next game. Let's say McCarthy does make it back. Mm. Then McCarthy gets in there, and again, it would it would show a lack of faith in Bessage to yeah. to do that then. And then Barry gets himself back. You know, it does seem perhaps an opportunity to do something that's a little bit more. Yeah. You know, maybe just give. Wouldn't have to be a nailed-on four-four-two because you know mm. you, can, you can you you can get players to play d- different roles in different ways. But something where where there's one-off, one-off Lukaku, yeah, yeah. two wide, and and Barkley. Given that sort of because because you're not expecting Queens Park Rangers, I mean, you know what what, what exactly are Queens Park Rangers going to do when they come to Everton? They're going to do what they did at, when they were at home against Liverpool, which is try and hit the big man. Yeah, and it's not going to be much more complicated than that, really. You know, it's Bessage's job is to go and stand on Bobby Zamora or Charlie Austin's toes. It's not going to be, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 not a it's not a tactical masterclass that's needed here mm-hmm. with the, with the greatest respect to everybody. Yeah. It's the idea of so it could be an opportunity to yeah. cut loose.
2: It won't be Charlie Austin's toes he's standing on unless he's on the be, on the touchline because Austin's suspended. Oh, is he suspended? Excellent knowledge, Alan. That's why you're covering the game and I'm not. So it'll be Bobby Zamora probably leading the line alone up front, and they'll probably string five across the midfield, so... That in itself would probably be in Roberto's thinking. So, the,
1: the you're really selling this game here Alan? Well, the,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the other thing Alan I'd say on that one is that we well, before we just let you go, uh I when we when um we went there to Queen's Park Rangers, I don't think he's had a, had a huge quantity of football since then Zamora, but he mm. very much tired against Liverpool. You could see after half yeah, an yeah. hour of the first half he was struggling, after fifteen minutes of the second half he was yeah. struggling, you know. It might be one where it, a bit of patience might not go and you know, might not go and miss here for Everton. Yeah,
2: the problem is will the fans give them that, that time well you're I'll talking you to what, them
0: Alan let's encourage them it,
2: well yeah <laughs> let's encourage them to do so but I tell you what if it is 0-0 at half time I don't want to hear you know booze ringing around Goodison Park yeah. or disgruntled fans, because that in itself you know transcends down to the players on yeah. the pitch doesn't it so you know they, want, they need encouragement you know under the floodlights here at Goodison I'd like to think they'll get it tonight and Uh, I for one would take any sort of victory you know Mm. one goal win just to get us back on track really and start picking up points because you're know, we languishing in mid-table for far too long and the gap is getting bigger between fourth place and uh, Everton at the moment
0: You're telling me it is Alan Uh, Thank you very much for joining us this (laughs) evening Uh, You'll be back here at 7pm on Radio City 96.7 and on City Talk 105.9 Take it easy Alan We'll wrap this up then I think Dave uh, going forward Happy with your Europa League draw
1: yeah, very happy uh, Liverpool played them not too long ago didn't they? Young boys Yeah uh, um, yeah, yeah, I couldn't be happier really because we, were, we had them in the group phase 2012-13 yeah.
0: uh,
1: There was some um, big fish in there that we avoided and uh, yeah, I'm very optimistic about the Europa League and, and I said not to ramble on about it I said earlier on this season could come to a point where Everton have to prioritise a competition it could well be the Europa League and, I mean, you, you look at tonight's game's massive that's just to get us back into the top half of the Premier League table so Uh, The Europa League is vastly becoming a, a big, big thing for Everton.
0: Excellent stuff, and I think that uh, Liverpool got a sick task, which, if nothing else, gets you to Istanbul, and that's yeah, a good it's thing. Memories, isn't yeah, it? memories, but also you know it's nice to go to Istanbul. Uh, if you're a Liverpool supporter <laughs> listening to this, probably we, we probably should have all been checking flights. I forgot to do that today, but absent-minded, I was. Uh, I was. I, I, I was in withdrawal, my, my despond after getting beat three 0 at Old Trafford. Um, but yes, uh, One to consider Liverpool go to Bournemouth midweek, of course, in the League Cup. Uh, is that on City Talk one hundred five point nine? Yes, City Talk one hundred five point nine for that one. I think. Uh, I hope I'm right in saying a lot. Way. It's on one of our stations. One of the stations. Check it out. It's long way down for Steve Hothersall there. Uh, hope you know it's it's quite <laughs> probably the night. left now, not Yeah, she probably, probably. had to leave now. Uh, going to be a hell of a job they're going to have to do there. It's going to be tough for Liverpool. I don't know if you saw, but Bournemouth won five nil at the weekend in uh, in the Championship, to top, go of, top the championship? of the Championship you've never seen more of a banana skin in your life than this game <laughs> it's it's like one of those fellas who dresses up as a banana and goes to test match cricket it was That's... nearly a
1: banana skin that you do the year in the FA Cup wasn't yeah it?
0: and it's 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 getting more and more banana-y I uh, hope you've enjoyed this week's All in the Game with Neil Atkinson and David Downey uh, we'll be back next week for more of this sort of stuff but now you've got Everton to come it's All in the Game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson
1: on City Talk 105.9